0: I don't know how to introduce him other than just uh, a man that I admire and love, and glad you're here. So, come ahead, brother.
1: It's a blessing to be here with you. My introduction for myself is forget all that stuff. I'm just a nobody, I come from nowhere. I don't have any credentials, and I'll never be anything outside of what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, does in me, through me, and with me. Uh, my yesterdays belong to him, and thank the Lord he erased some of them for me. But all the tomorrows are his. And, uh, and all, all any of us will ever be is what we are in Christ. So take your Bible, please. Turn to John chapter 2. I don't even know if I'm going to get to this chapter this morning, but I I, uh, I thought I was going to preach on it this morning, but it may be... I'll I'll preach on it sometime today. (laughs) I've got some other things I've got to do first. But I'd like for us to read the second chapter. Of John. We'll probably be here two days uh, if if the Lord doesn't change my plan. Uh, Let's stay and read the Word of God, honor the Word of God. John chapter 2. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That's the text for this day. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, than that which is worse, but Thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth His glory, and His disciples believed on Him. And I believe I'll stop reading right there. Let's pray, please. Father, I ask You to just have Your way and direct and guide in all that we do here this morning. I pray you'd give me direction and Lord settle my heart. I ask you Lord that you'd uh, help us to magnify your name and Lord I pray that you would get all glory out of this service. I pray Lord that the Holy Spirit would take charge and, and that one who's most in need would find you near this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd just touch and move and work among your people. Help us to yield ourselves to you and get past ourselves and look unto Jesus. And Lord, would you speak to us today? Thank you for, uh, for all you will do. And, and thank you for your blessed, sweet, holy name. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I, as I said, I was. I'm going to preach on these first five verses of the chapter, but I don't know how long it'll take me to get there. I would like to. Those five first first five verses of the chapter talk about a mother's advice, and that's what I intend to preach on today. But uh, I just need to clear up some stuff first. Verse eleven is. Every, every passage of Scripture has one primary interpretation, and you can make other applications. The application I'm going to make is a mother's advice. But that's not the primary interpretation of the Scripture. And I'm more convinced than ever before that the great need of every congregation is that the preacher preached the Word of God as it is the Word of God. You don't need my opinion, you need the Word of God. You don't need to understand the thinking of Wayne Hudson, but you need to understand the moving and work of the Holy Ghost of God as he takes the the Word of God and applies it in our hearts. And so, I, I don't want to ride a hobby horse, I just want to give you the Word of God. And what I've been... Pawing around on is how to get to this verse, this beginning of miracles, did Jesus and came of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. John is a unique gospel. Uh, every, Every gospel is unique, I suppose. Matthew writes of the, let's let's flip through these Gospels right quick. We call them, we call these first three Gospels the synoptic Gospels. And what that means is they say the same thing. They say the same thing, okay, but they're, they're unique in the picture. We do not have a biography of Jesus. We don't even have a chronological order. Of his life, but what we have is snapshots, kind of a picture album book. And each one is, you know how that works. If you're in a crowd and you're taking pictures, you get what you like. Somebody else comes along, and gets what they see, and so there's no set pattern in that. So Matthew, look here, verse one. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew is going to take you uh, through the lineage of Joseph and show you the, that Christ, that is, that goes back to David and becomes the, the greater son of David in that lineage, as the prophets have said, and then goes all the way back to Abraham. And so what are you gonna show us, Matthew? Matthew's gonna show us a Jewish king. Matthew presents a Jewish king to the nation of the Jews. If you had, if you had a Jewish Bible, the Old Testament ends in Second Chronicles at the, at the carrying away into captivity. And those, verse, those chapters just previous to chapter 34 of 2 of, uh, Chronicles have several lineages of uh, pedigrees of the Jews. you remember when Ezra went back into, after Cyrus said you can go back in after 70 years, Ezra took back in people who had Pedigrees. They had they they checked out the pedigree before they carried him back in. Now now uh, one of the great cries against Christ is can any good thing come out of Galilee? And the the people who heard these Old Testament prophets preach every week had no knowledge of Jesus tie to the Old Testament prophets. And so Matthew's going to start with that. Matthew chapter 2. Uh, the wise men came, verse 2, saying, where's he that's born king of the Jews? And, and, and Matthew's going to do things for the Jewish reader. Some of the things he does, we don't understand. But uh, in our English language, but he does it for the Jews. The kingdom of heaven is unique to the gospel of Matthew, and it fits Old Testament teaching that the Jews had. It covers all the time from Jesus' first coming to his second coming, and we're this church age fits somewhere in there and uh, but but he teaches I'm not teaching on Matthew so I gotta go on Mark Mark has no lineage Mark writes of a servant and nobody cares the lineage of a servant the key verse is Mark ten forty five. 45 uh, Jesus said the son of man has come not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And that verse includes the whole, the whole of Mark. And Mark writes to the, to the uh, Roman citizens. Sometimes he'll, he'll, I'm not, I'm not preaching Mark, but sometimes Mark will give you some instance. And then he'll tell you what, he'll tell his readers what that means in to the Jew. Uh, the Jews understand it, but the Romans don't. And he's trying to present a Savior to a Gentile world. Then you come to Luke. A.W. Robertson was a Southern Baptist preacher, probably the one of the top, Greek scholars that's ever been produced in America, and he says that Luke is the single greatest piece of of Greek literature that's ever been written. Luke was an educated man. He, you remember, he was the doctor. He was Paul's personal doctor. He traveled with Paul and stayed with he, you read Second Timothy, he's the only he, he remember what he said, only Luke is with me. He's the only one stayed. He's educated. He wrote the book of Acts and he wrote the book of Luke. A great scholarly piece of literature to present Christ. As the son of man. His lineage doesn't stop at Abraham. He goes past David. He goes past Abraham. Goes all the way back to Adam. And Adam back to God. And gives you the son of man. Who come to seek and to save that which is lost. So each one of them have a different viewpoint. Of the same subject, the the incarnation and and uh, life ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke, Mark did Mark starts with the ministry. He doesn't even say anything about birth or childhood. Luke's going to spend two chapters on it. The two longest chapters in his book are the birth and boyhood of Jesus Christ. He's the only one who tells us anything about that. But see, he's presenting the Son of Man. He's presenting the Earth Man side of Jesus. There's a Heaven Man and there's an Earth Man. The Heaven Man is God. And, and so he presents the earth side, the life, the story of Jesus Christ. And then you come to the unique gospel where I'm at this morning, over here in John. And John has no lineage because God has no lineage. Those first 18 verses are the or the introduction to the book of John they begin this way in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God all things were made by him without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shined in the darkness the darkness comprehended it not he came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in 18 is a key verse. And no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. I was talking about theologies in the message here a while back, theophanies. The, theophanies are the pre-incarnate appearances of God in the, to men. If you, go back to, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, he talks about Elohim. That's the only name used in Genesis chapter 1. That means, that is a unipleural noun we don't even have in English. But it means the three in one. The multi-personed God. And, and in Genesis chapter 1, he is the self Contained God he never he doesn't reach out of himself he's going to tell he's going to tell Job over there and he's going to say it again in Ezekiel I don't need anything from you what could you give me that I need I am the self contained God everything I am I am in myself and that's God we can't explain that that's just who he is And he's the one that could speak and say, let there be light and hang a sun in the sky. Oh, S.M. Lockridge said, well, he stepped out on the middle of nothing. He reached back into nothing, flung a bunch of nothing out into nothing, and nothing became something. That's about as good as I can explain it. But in chapter 2 of Genesis, the, the, the uni plural God said, Let us make man in our own, in, own image. And it is not Elohim who says that, but it is Jehovah. And all through the. It's kept in, in your Bible, it's, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a King James Bible designation for the Yahweh, the Jehovah God. The Jehovah God is the God that's very God of their God. But he reaches out of himself, and the only God that deals with man is Jehovah God. He says in eighteen no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son that is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So so I'm talking about theophanies and some somebody says it wasn't a theophany, it was a Christophany. Let me say it what, what God said in verse 18. Anytime God shows up to man, it's Christ. And the theophanies are always Christophanies. Because the theophanies are the Old Testament visions of the angel of the Lord, whose name is Jehovah. He's always Christ. That's the only way man has ever seen God. So, get a hold of it. If I see God... over here over here in First Timothy I believe it is in chapter three let's see 2:5 for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus 3:16 here's the key verse of first of Timothy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. So John is going to present the Savior. And those first 18 verses, which we've just kind of summed up, are just the introduction. He's going—he's not preaching He's not, John is not, uh, John is not so much interested in the pedigree because God has no pedigree. John doesn't give you a birth experience because God God never was born. He's always been. But John is going to give you the only Savior of the whole world. Whether you're a Roman or whether you're a Greek or whether you uh, smart or whether you're dumb or whether you're weak or whether you're strong he'll give you the savior doesn't matter how wicked you are he'll give you the savior doesn't matter how, how, how much you have achieved in your religious abilities he, you still need the savior there's just one savior and John's going to present him I'd like to I'd like to deal with this a little bit before we get into the message because I think it's pretty essential for the next two messages after. And I don't know if I'm going to get any further than this or not. I'm watching the clock.
0: We can
1: take it down. Those 18 verses introduce the book of John. I would say to you that the last chapter of John you know, the last chapter of John is resurrection ground. Chapter 21. Uh, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. And, he, and he, uh, we got the scene at the Sea of Galilee and he's going to test Peter's love for him and then give us the lesson of the agape love. He says this down in the last verse. there are also many other things which Jesus did the which if they should be written everyone I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written that's the last verse of John so we've looked at the introduction now we looked at the post log in chapter 21 the heart of the book of John is this presentation of the Savior It begins in verse number 19. Verse 19 says, this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed, and he's talking about John the Baptist. He confessed and denied and said, I'm I'm not Christ. I'm just a forerunner. And he preaches Christ to them. over in chapter 20 verse 30 is the key verses to the book of John we hurriedly looked at some key verses in the other gospels I, I would like to look at this with you he said in the last verse the world could not contain what could have been written about what he did the world itself wouldn't contain it. So John, how'd you write your book? Well, I, I'll show you right here. I picked out some stuff. Look here. And many other signs. Do you all mark your Bibles? Well, do you? See, this book this we call this a worship book but we don't worship this book the worship is the Lord of the book and so I urge you to make it a workbook somebody was talking about Isaiah 53 this week you know when you stand on the ground of Isaiah 53 you stand closer to the cross than the the writers of the gospel stood he'll tell you more about the cross than they do and so, it's it, that's a work of the Holy Ghost of God as He inspires the Word of God. I urge you to. Here's how I marked this. Here's how I marked this key verse. He says, and many other signs. I circled the word signs. He's already said he could have wrote a, the uh, books that the world couldn't contain if he wrote everything. But he picked out some signs. Truly did, many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. I've got a, I've got a circle around these, and I've got a line drawn from signs. What is these? What does that these mean? It's signs. He's still referring to the signs. These are written that you might believe. I've got a circle to believe now. Believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you might have life. And my last circle is life. So I've got signs. These believe life. And when uh, when you get the signs... And you believe these signs, you have everlasting life. That's what John's going to say a hundred times in his gospel. That if you believe you can have life everlasting, that's, what, that's the promise of the gospel. So, when you have those three or four words and have them tied together, you've got the whole outline of the book of John. Everything he's going to say. Now look at it. We've looked at the last portion and the first portion. Beginning in verse 19 is what I call the book of signs. He's going to give you seven signs. All but one of them are not found in the other Gospels. Chapter 1 verse 19 through chapter 12. And your dividing line might be somewhere in the latter verses of chapter 12, but for simplicity, just say chapter 12. And, and that makes up the book of signs. All seven of the signs are there. We already read the text here that said, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. That one statement rules out all of the interleaved books in the catholic bible we call that apocrypha the apocrypha that one statement rules them out the apocrypha books say that jesus began miracles when he was a little boy that he could make mud pies and turn them into birds and they'd fly away so that one statement he said this is the beginning of miracles I'm going to talk about Mary in a minute. Mary's been looking for him to do miracles ever since he was a little boy. But this is the beginning of miracles. And so John picked out seven miracles. He calls them signs. He ends up over there. He spends a whole chapter on, on the raising of Lazarus. And then he spends a chapter on the ministry of Lazarus after he's raised in chapter 12. But the seven miracles are in chapters 1 through 12, 2 through 12. After, after verse 19, the ministry of Christ. So the book of signs, then what's all the rest of it about? Mary, look at here. Mary said, they have no wine, verse 3. Jesus said, "Woman, what have I to do with thee?" Some of the theologians said he rebuked his mother there. He did not. That word "woman" there is a is a symbol of honor in the day he lived. If you don't believe that, you can go to John chapter nineteen. I think it's verse twenty-six when he's on the cross all alone and every disciple is left except John and none of his family is there none of his family accepted him he had uh, four, I believe three or four brothers I know he had two they're, they're mentioned here but he had, I think he had four brothers and two sisters or something like that none of them were there it took resurrection before they would believe that he was Christ. They thought he was crazy. They said, you're out of your mind. And they would not accept him. And Mary stood at the foot of the worst scene that's ever been seen in history. The wickedest place. The darkest day. The, the most awful scene. He had been beaten till he didn't look like a man. You couldn't recognize him. That blood was pouring off that cross, a place of filth and wickedness, cursing and groaning and disease and reproach. And Mama stood there all alone. And he said, woman, you think he rebuked her? No, sir. He's holding her in great respect. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. John's going to go all the way to Ephesus, be the pastor of the church of Ephesus, and carry her with him all the way. Her own sons had no authority because they wouldn't recognize. She stayed. They didn't. So from chapter 12, uh, no, I, let me get back here. I'm about to lose it. He said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? And he opens a statement here that you'll find 15 times in the book of John. My hour has not yet come. And one of the ways to outline the book of John is that Hour. And when you get all the way over to chapter 12, uh, and in, the, in, this, in, this, uh, in this chapter, he's going to deal with the hour. I'm not going to spend any time on it, but look at chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour was come. And everything shifts in the book of John. There's no longer a proof text of who he is. He said that in 12 chapters. And he said if you would believe that, you could be saved. If you would believe that he is the only Savior, you could be saved and have everlasting life good place to ask this i didn't intend to ask it here but have you ever believed that i mean i know we all know stories about jesus and we all can read we've read bible stories and and we are and ah over some of the stuff that he did and said but have you ever put your whole trust in him as your only savior that's what i'm asking John said, I've written these signs and if you would believe these signs you could have everlasting life and he will be your only savior. Beginning in chapter 13 is what I call the glory road section. It'll take rejection, crucifixion, Denial and resurrection and ascension before the glory. But in all of it he shows his glory. And the book leads you to the final analysis there can't be but one. he's the only one. There can't be another. He's the only begotten Son of God. And he said over there in John chapter 1 verse 18, that no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son of God, he hath declared him. So so that's the division of John as I see it. It's all written to this end. And you see it down here in verse number 11 of our text. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. To me, that's a definition of this chapter. I preached through the book of John as a pastor 30 years ago or more. And... When I came to John chapter 2, I, I couldn't get the message. I don't know what I preached out of it, but I didn't have a message. Susie's mother was in the hospital over here in Wichita Falls. We didn't know it at that time, but she was on her deathbed that Sunday. I had been to church maybe here that morning, I don't know, Somewhere. And went to the hospital and I just had to, I had to preach that night at Calvary Baptist over here on Winthorst. And I got this message that day. This message about a mother's advice. And preached it for the first time that night. I know you don't know anything about it because I hadn't got there yet, but we'll preach it tonight. It defines in this chapter. She said. This is what mother said. I had a mother who had plenty of advice. She gave advice. She gave me advice most of the time when I needed it the worst. Look at verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants. Whatsoever he saith unto you. Do it. Now, we're in revival, and somebody, if I ask you what you thought revival is, somebody would say, well, we get a visiting preacher, and we get to hear his preaching. Somebody else might say, well, we'll get to hear visiting singers. Some We'll get some special music this week. Or somebody else said, well, it means we've got to go to church every night this week. All right?" But it's none of that. Revival is what you're going to do with him. See, lost people can't have revival. They need life. They can't be revived until they have life. They must be born again. They must be saved. Revival is not for lost people. Revi- uh, there may be people saved in revival I'm not saying that but if they are it would be because we the people of God have got back to our first love and been turned back to the place of our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ again you have those days don't you when when you just wake up with the blows and Everything goes wrong and, and you wonder where God went. You have one of them? You, you don't have to tell me. Just you and him talk it over. Revival is that time when we get back to a place. Sometimes it takes sickness, death, trials, heartaches before we'll ever come there. But the God of your salvation is still the God of your fellowship. And if you're out of fellowship with him, there's no joy of salvation in your heart. You may be serving because of duty or because of uh, some uh, expectation or something. But, But the joy is not there and sooner or later you'll fizzle and fall out. But revival is that time when we get back to a place that we see Him and we hear from Him and we know again that He is our sa- Savior, that we he, our hope of heaven is only in Him. And we come back to a place. Paul said over in Philippians chapter 3, that we come to this place that I forgetting those things that are behind, forgetting all this junk, forgetting the COVID, forgetting those, the, all the problems, forgetting all the struggles of this day we live. I'm I pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not looking back. I'm looking ahead. I'm I'm getting back in the race and I'm living for him. You understand what I was I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about losing the joy of salvation and it becomes a drudgery instead of the spark of your life. Every yeah, one of us has those days. Oh Bill Sunday, somebody said to him, said What's the use of having revival? It doesn't last. Well that's true. His answer was neither does a bath, but you need one once in a while anyway. Christian, you need a revival once in a while. And if you would seek him and search him, I believe you could find him. The definition of the, the definition of this verse was he did a miracle here, right in the midst of right in the midst of the wedding, right in the midst of the disciples. He did a miracle. That's what that verse says. At Cana of Galilee, I've been wondering, I've tried every way I know to figure out what, how he got to Cana, but I don't know yet. And here's the effect of it. And manifested forth his glory. See? That first verse says this is the third day. Third day of what? It's the third day since Simon Peter, since Andrew brought Simon Peter to John and said we know him. It's the third day since they left John and started following Jesus. They're three days old as followers now. Can you see? He manifested forth his glory. Mark 3.14 says that he ordained twelve that they might be with him that he might send them forth to preach. He's brought them over here into Bible school. And now Jesus has begun this these seven signs and all the other things he did so that they can see his glory and know who he is and, and, and will trust him as their only Lord and Savior. That he can make out of them twelve men that will turn the world upside down. And disciples who will, who will believe it all and follow him. so he manifested forth his glory hey, if you'd have been there you'd have thought it was wonderful too we'll get to say more about that later and so there's the definition he did a miracle the effect was it wasn't that it wasn't that he made wine it was that he manifested his glory Here's the result. And his disciples believed on him. There's all kinds of distractions going on today. I've had plenty of distractions just getting down to right here. But there's all kinds of distractions going on around us. You know, COVID hit year and a half ago and I had 12 meetings canceled one behind the other and all of a sudden I started hearing reports about uh, Facebook and preachers were saying well I was preaching to 50 over here at my church now I'm preaching to 250 and woo!" Everybody's buying transmitters and mics and all kinds of stuff. Here's my definition of it. It's nice to sit in your pajamas and drink coffee and watch the preacher out there sweating and trying to bring you a message, huh? But that is not the church. That word church in the New Testament is ekklesia. And that word means a called out assembly. If you do not assemble, you cannot be a church. It's wonderful to get back in the assembly, isn't it? I I remember the first day we had services after we'd been not. Oh, it's great. Hey, I've already been assembled with some of these kids this morning and it's been a blessing old Kyle has got me educated on the whole family (laughs) we've had a good time it's wonderful to assemble she told me that I was preaching when you were in the youth group over at Calvary I was 17 well I need to talk to you after a (laughs) while and it's just been wonderful See, if we weren't assembled this morning, I would feel pretty foolish being here preaching to myself. Y'all help me out by giving me an audience today. We see each other's needs. We see each other's strengths. We become challenged by each other's faithfulness. And if you read Hebrews 10, the object is not so much what you're going to get out of it, but what you're going to give as you assemble. There's somebody dependent on you being here today. And you'll help them as you assemble together. That's the church. So, He's the Savior. He's got more and more work to show you. But the greatest miracle is this, that He took me from the depths. I was praying with a fellow three or four weeks ago in one of the churches, and just me and him praying. And he got to praying, Lord. Thank you for going through all that filth to get to my heart. Thank you for coming down to the wickedness of sin and where I was at and and pushing it aside and and getting it all over you to get to, to me. I've never heard anybody pray that before. But ever since I've heard it, I keep thinking about what he had to go through to get to me. and you. I, I always think this, I'm the worst sinner here. But the reason I think this is because I don't know you, or you, or you. You may be sitting here thinking I'm the worst sinner here. You probably are. But I've got the Savior for the worst sinner here. John O. Rice told about burying a baby in Shamrock, Texas. And they dug, they dug the grave, and then they put the little baby in the grave, and he and the, he and the farm boy, with his overalls on, covering the grave, and they, that, he's, He looked over there at that boy and he was just sobbing and the tears were rolling down his cheeks. He said, son, don't you know this baby's in heaven? Yes, sir, I know that brother Rice. He said, well, you're going to see him again one of these days, aren't you? He said, no, sir. He said, you're not going to see that baby again? He said, no, sir. He said, you're not saved? He said, no, sir. He said, what's keeping you from being saved? He said, I'm too big a sinner. I've got too much sin on me. Here's what John R. Rice said. Son, you bring all your sin to God. Give it to God. He'll bring your Savior to you. And give him to you. And you can go home with the Savior and he'll go home with your sin. He came here to do a miracle. But when he saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. Every one of us are sinners. And the only difference in the congregation is they're saved sinners and lost sinners. But I've given you the Savior. And if you trust him, his disciples believed on him. You can believe on him if you will. That means complete, total trust in his salvation. He's a miracle-working Savior. And He'll keep you saved through all eternity. Let's stand. Father, I pray you've had your way here this morning. I pray, God, that you would do your work in the middle of uh, this congregation this morning. Help Help us to get past ourselves. Help us to get to you. Help us, Lord, to look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. I pray that you'd take charge. I pray you'd help him to be the centerpiece of all we do today. Please please help us, Lord, to humble ourselves. Oh, Holy Spirit. I pray you'd convict the heart of that one that needs you this morning. God, would you just stir and move and work and help them to hear Whatever he says unto you, do it. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My head's
0: bowed and eyes closed this morning. I don't need to add to the message. If the Lord spoke to you this morning. I don't put him off. Do you know the Lord is your Savior this morning? Have you ever trusted Him as your only Savior? It's never too late. As long as you're alive on this earth, salvation is offered unto you. Christian, are you coming this week looking for that revival? not going to rush the invitation. We'll take our time this morning. Let the Spirit work in your heart. don't know the Lord as your Savior, if you'd come forward and speak to someone, I know Brother Hudson would would take the time to sit down and talk to you. I, I would take the time. There's other men here, women here that would love to take the time to sit down and talk to you about Jesus. Only in Him is life. Only in Him is joy and peace, security, purpose. I'm going to ask Jessica to play one more verse of song.